Welcome, welcome to Self Improved. This one is with your favorite guy, Scotty Thick, Scott Thompson, and go listen to Thick Radio because this is going to be on his podcast as well. We just get really deep, like deeper than I thought we would. My goodness, uh, felt good. It felt good. We weren't forcing shit down each other's throat necessarily. We were really just bouncing ideas. It was organic. So enjoy, okay? Enjoy this one. Bye. Yeah, I'm ready when you are. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Thick Radio. Another episode with Zev Weisdorf. It's only his fourth time on the podcast. Woo! This might be the Zev and Scott show now, I think. Yeah. Um, what's up? How are you? How was your day today? I'm... As we'd say in Yiddish, full of nachas, joy. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> full of nachas. Nachas. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. Oh, yeah, I'm not there very you go. You're hakalugi. That's all. Right. Um, okay, let's just jump right into it. I wanted to ask you what the most influential book, what the, what book has made the biggest impact on your life that you've read. You go first, and then I'll think about it. <laughs> um, oh fuck! I mean. Actually, no, I know what it was. It can't hurt me by David Goggins. Do you remember, remember last that. year when I read that book? I do. And I was like, I remember there was multiple times, literally sitting out in the parking lot outside work, like, like just mouth open, like, it just like it wouldn't come inside because I was just so into that book. And that was the first time a book had ever like really done that for me. And uh, yeah, the reason it changed my life was I think... I briefly talked to you about this the other... No, I think I said it in our group chat with Ben. Was that I had this, like, insecurity growing up that I was never... That I wasn't a hard worker. And that, like, I wasn't, like... What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about making your younger self proud. That's Mm, what it was. I remember that. That actually hit hard because I remember when I was younger, I didn't have... I wasn't proud of myself. I knew I was kind of lazy. I didn't really like set goals and try to achieve them or anything like that. And then, and I think the more I become focused on like achieving certain goals or making sure that I'm working hard and like productivity is like a huge determining factor of my happiness now. And I think that comes from the fact that like I wasn't productive when I was younger. Not that kids are teen, but even as a teen, even as a teenager, like couldn't be bothered to study, couldn't be bothered to like, I want to go to this school, so I'm going to work hard to get there. Even sports, like, it's kind of laid back. I just didn't have any drive. So now I think that's a huge thing for me because I knew that I wasn't that person when I was younger, and now I want to be that person. Um, anyway, I just went off on a tangent. No, but, no, I dig it. But what Can't Hurt Me did was kind of like light a fire under me. Like after you read that, it's just like you want to run through a brick wall. Like you think you can accomplish anything because you hear what David Goggins has gone through in his life. And Do you just, remember oh, what we used to say all the time to each other after reading that? Um, yeah. Uh, what would we, um, We'd always make a joke. No, I, uh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> No, I can't remember. You said it on the beach like two yeah, weeks ago. You yeah. literally said it on the beach and I can't remember. You like, callous the mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you like, oh, yeah, we were running past each other. <laughs> and you said callous the we're, callous of your ass or something. <laughs> something so stupid. <laughs> oh, I know, because it was like, yeah, running on the beach and freezing cold. Callous your anus. <laughs> oh, That's fuck, funny. I forgot about that. But yeah, because that, because David Goggins can seem gimmicky, like he's so hardcore. And that's not me. I'm not like, 
suck it up and do whatever it takes and run a hundred miles because you have to like, but just the idea of like the idea of just being strong minded and strong willed and like having mental fortitude, like really changed my life. Like, you mm. know, really changed my life. Like what ways, what were the most prevalent ways it changed your life? The biggest ones were just like, just the ability to like keep moving forward, but also like, not just like, like, not seeing suffering as like an awful thing seeing it as an opportunity to prove to yourself that you're capable of overcoming things Mm -hmm. and seeing pain and suffering and obstacles as as a blessing like as as a tool to improve yourself and to improve your life rather than when life would throw up obstacles before i'd be like oh fuck like my life sucks. Like mm. my life isn't going to go anywhere because like I have the worst, you always hear people like I have the worst luck or like mm-hmm. I just got dealt a bad hand or whatever. And like, after you le- read that book, it's like all of that goes out the window. It's like no situation. It makes you just think that there's no situation you can't overcome. And honestly, like now when something like hard is happening or like there's a big change in my life or something like that, I get really, I get excited. I'm Mm. like, this is good for me because I know on the other side of this, whether I accomplish it or not, like I'll fail and then I can just try again. I can fail and I can try again. And it's like, it's a tool to like make you work harder. And like, and as funny as it is, like callousing the mind, it literally does like kind of have hardening up a little bit in certain aspects of your life when it comes to work and comes to exercise and doing the things that you don't want to do. I think doing the things you don't want to do is what builds your character. Oh, yeah. Uh, One, a bad excuse and a good excuse are both excuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My brother goes, Zev, you must sugar nerd. What if your family member dies and you can't get the workout in? It is technically speaking, it's a great excuse. Yeah. yeah, That's a fucking great excuse to not work out. But your goals don't care. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, two, it was refreshing the lack of sympathy in that book. Mm. I, I just read the summary and still I could get clear sense of the lack of sympathy. Like David Goggins just doesn't give a fuck if you make up excuses. You're right. And that's, it is refreshing. <laughs> it was refreshing. Especially because I feel like nowadays there's all the sympathy in the world for like participation ribbons. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody. Every, yeah, exactly. Everybody gets a rid- ribbon and like everybody is allowed. If, if you just, if you had a bad day or like you felt like, oh, I really just didn't want to do it. Oh, that's okay. It's okay. That's okay we hear sweetie. that. It's yeah. okay. No, it's, it's not, not okay. If you're not reaching your goal, the person should be like, no, I want you happy, which means reaching your goal. Exactly. Yeah. If, really so, if, somebody, <laughs> yeah if somebody really cared about you, they would, exactly like you said, they would yeah. make sure that you do the things that you don't want to do, but you know that doing those things is going to get you to your goal. There you go. So lots They're of times exactly. people don't want to meal prep. Lots of time people don't want to go to bed early so they can get a quality night's sleep so they can get up early and work out. There's lots of times we don't want to get up at four in the morning to go to the beach, like, and things like go run, swim, run. Like mm-hmm. it's just, Whatever, if you know something's going to make you better, then you delay some immediate gratification so that you can accomplish that. You can deal with some pain and suffering and you don't have that gratification right away. But long term, you get more gratification, more meaningful gratification. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Can't Hurt Me really changed my life. And also mm. hearing his life story was really cool, too, because like. He just went through hell and it's like just it's kind of like a biography that was also really interesting True. outside of all of like the self-help stuff to like 
make you work harder and make you a better person and more driven person, more successful person as a result. Outside of all that, he just has a cool story. Like hearing about the way his father treated him and his family. How did his father treat him? He just... He just abused him. Oh, okay. yeah. Like physical like, abuse? Yeah. Him and yeah. him and his mom. Like Yikes. His, yeah, the kids and his mom. Like, dude, it's pretty bad. Like, Yikes. You hear some of the stories, like the detailed story. And he said that he didn't even, like, go into some of the detail, the way he treated his mother. And it's just – and I always say <clears> – I always say perspective is, like, a really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you hear stories like that, it makes your life seem like a breeze. Right, like, it makes right. you far more appreciative of the things you have. So then, and also because it's like, you read that, you read about this guy's story where like his dad really treated him poorly and treated his mother poorly. And he has all this trauma from his childhood and he had a horrible upbringing and he's still this bad motherfucker that's just like Mm. doing all that. You sound like David Goggins. Yeah. Bad motherfucker. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) He loves that. But he's (laughs) like, you look at him and you're like, he accomplished so much, became Became a Navy SEAL, became a decorated, like, I don't know if he's, like, super oh, decorated. Oh, really? I don't but know. he's gotten something. I don't know if he's decorated, like, in combat. I know mm-hmm. he did see some sort of combat, but now he's a successful author, speaker. Yeah. He's yep. accomplished so much in his life. True. He, he has family. And so then it's, like, so then you see all that, and he had every excuse in the book to not get there. And then it's, like, well, what am I complaining about? Like, I, I, had, mean, I had a good childhood. I had, yeah. I didn't, I didn't struggle anywhere near to the extent that he did. And he was humbling. still able to overcome all of that. Bro, when you said author speaker, the amount of these people we listen to, I forget that they are authors and speakers. Mm-hmm. That's just another thing to add to their accolades. Yeah, literally. I never thought about that. We see people on the videos and the books, and we're like, oh, they're an arm, ex-army guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just see them as what they used to be. I don't see them as an author and a speaker, but you're right. Holy shit. People yeah, are you talented. Think, <laughs> you think about an author as like J.K. Rowling. Exactly. Like that's whole that, exactly. Yeah. But he's made more money than anything from these books. Oh, right? yeah. No, yeah. Books are lucrative, man. I didn't realize how lucrative books were. Like, especially with, like, Amazon and things It's got to be, like, music, though. It's got to be, like, music where it can be lucrative, but it can also be a waste of time if no one knows about you. That's true, Like, you know what I mean? Like, one hit could make you a millionaire for life. Yeah. Whereas for some people, they can make ten albums, and no one listens to them, so they're broke forever. Yeah, yeah. So. Was it you that was telling me about children's stories? And, like, how you can, like, maybe Mm -hmm. it wasn't. People are, like, writing children's stories. Oh, I did tell you about this. It was, my TikTok algorithm was all about side hustles for the longest time. And one of them was you pay someone on Fiverr to create illustrations. I love Fiverr. There you it's, go. It's actually really useful. Right on. Yeah. So that's what you do. You get someone to make photos for a book. You pay someone else to write the story. And then you own the book and you sell it on Amazon because some parents don't want to buy a book. They want to open their phone and read it to their kid. Really? Eh? And it does well? That I can't confirm. Yeah. Some Dude, some of these people could just be trying to make money off selling in quotations oh like you know what I mean? like selling that idea of maybe yeah, yeah like like they sell an idea they sell how to sell it's like yeah exactly it's yeah. that paradox Master, like, mastermind I hate stuff. That, yeah. yeah so what's your favorite what's the most meaningful i was book? thinking about it meaningful yeah we have to go way back to the origins change called, your life literally change your life i'll like, tell you so this did the four agreements oh, i don't know the author i need yeah, to look it yeah, up and yeah. he made it one called the fifth agreement recently actually it's a short read, but fuck, it taught me not to take anything personal because of projection. Can you can you run through the four? The because Joe There's, Rogan Joe Rogan's okay. talked about it. Oh really? So yeah. you just heard about this book? 
He re- he actually reads it on a yearly basis, and he um, said a lot of people should. I only remember two. Okay. <laughs> Not to ruin. I them. can look it up. Well, yeah, you could. Yeah, and if you literally go back, yeah, you can do it while we record. Uh, the first being don't assume. Right, I remember him saying that, that was he and and my mother had said assuming makes an ass out of you and me stuff like that, but it didn't resonate till I read that too was don't take anything personally. And that taught me about projection. You got this here? What are the other two? Um, doesn't say the list. What about oh, the photos? Yeah. The photos? Yeah. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Be impeccable with your word. So like speaking with integrity. Oh, I see. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Good rules of thumb, but sorry, keep going. I guess it makes sense why I remembered those two because mm-hmm. those ones really are something you don't think about. Yeah, the uh, assuming, and then I remember the book taught me if you one would ask, if I can't assume, what do I do? Ask a question, gather intel. It's right, that simple. Right, right. If you don't want to assume something about someone, just ask. Does he go into detail like why that's detrimental? I don't recall. Like, where my mind went was like, because like. I've heard this term where you're like a what if person because I can I definitely fall into that. Like what if I ask they'll judge and yeah, 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 yeah. and then you just go down this. And rabbit that's an hole. assumption. It's a paradox. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I think that's what I think because I'm guilty of assuming. I guess is what I was trying to get at. Oh, I see, I see. I think what, being a what if person is because you assume things mm-hmm. like you're making. Mm-hmm. I make assumptions. And then you can go down this, I've gone down whole rabbit holes in your own head where you like assume something and then you're like, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And then 10 minutes later, you've created this entire narrative uh, yeah, in your yeah, head yeah, that yeah, isn't yeah. actually reality. It's and true. then that causes anxiety and stress that was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Would that would that be the cons of that? It's assuming? a great question. It's a great question. I don't know the con. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, the cons of assuming is... To make someone feel degraded. Or, or, I guess, yeah, to actually then start treating someone a certain way because you're thinking they are something they're not. Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So you're not giving them the respect that they deserve in reality? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What if you thought someone was a child rapist You'd treat them, and you assumed that, and, but that they weren't? Yeah, I'd treat someone different if I found out. They yeah, were that's a kid. In, that's intense. Yeah, I know that's, that's super, intense. That's, that's super that's fucking super, intense. Holy shit! That took a turn. Well, I'm like, that's what, super what's super intense? Because, well, yeah. dude, I'm like, what's that's something? W- that's worst case scenario. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm like, what's something that if we assumed we'd treat poorly? Yeah. Like, I feel like that shit happens in high school a lot because you play that game of telephone. Mm, like, a, there's rumors. Yeah. A rumor start. Somebody doesn't like somebody, and then they start a rumor to hurt that person and then that rumor gets around the school you play telephone and then they're a rapist (laughs) i hate that you went there i hate that you went there (laughs) and then they're a child rapist i thought you were gonna say like and then becky dated john no 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 No, they're a rapist okay (laughs) yeah children yes (laughs) fuck fuck (laughs) we should not be joking about this um but that's that is how like that's that's what high school is a lot of times is people assuming things about others and then judging them and then making fun of them and then you don't even really know that person. They judge a book by its cover, you assume something. Mm-hmm. I guess the, you it's so crazy because this piece of knowledge from the most powerful book that you've ever read can be summarized 
in a very simple thing that we've heard since we were kids, which is yeah. don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Don't assume. We hear that all Don't the time. make assumptions. You ever feel like you hear these really complex, like, psychology bits, and then there's this simple cliche term to, like, summarize it all into one neat bundle, yeah. but it doesn't mean anything when you just as its own until you look into why that makes yeah. sense. Do, do you remember Scott when I told you about the Mary's room problem? It sounds familiar. But yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate. You. There's a woman named Mary. She knows everything about color, but she can only see black and white because she's in a black and white room. She knows color down to the electromagnetic wave, like every little detail. So in theory, she can schmooze color. It isn't until she opens the door and sees color that she says, I understand what it's like to see color. Wow. So what, and to extrapolate, because you're wondering how does this apply to real life? When we hear things like don't assume or don't judge a book by its cover, we hear this our whole life. And it isn't until we read some more detailed literature that we understand what it's like to assume wow. or to not assume. And think about this applies to everything. What's a cliche you heard growing up? I don't know. Or or something. Or time flies. Yeah. We hear this. Time flies. And we all I we're young, so we still say this ignorantly. Yeah. One day we will be 90, Hashem, hopefully. And we're going the Mary's room problem will occur. We will metaphorically open the door and go, time flies. Holy and say shit. it differently. That's Whoa, that's, that's the crazy. Mary's room issue. Yeah. And when that, you, when, dude, when you related it to like being ninety mm, and like that reality actually settling in, like that's that's crazy. So I don't know why there's a whole lot of weight to that, but like, dude, there's probably things your parents told you growing up that one day you might not even—it's not a concept yet. Mm-hmm. One day you'll something will happen. You'll say it to someone. You go, shit, that's what my parents used to say. Now I get yeah. it. Yeah, that's wild. Actually, yeah, it's very true. Even now, there's things that I say to, like, some of my clients, like, younger clients, and I'm like, I know you're not going to get this. Like, I'll mm-hmm. say it, and I'm like, I know that doesn't register right now. Mm-hmm. And it didn't register for me at that age, but 10 years from now, five years from now, however old they are, like, it'll make more sense. 100%. But, I've been there, too. Mm-hmm. Little Tice. I told Tice the other day, I said, you're not going to remember this conversation or this moment, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and then we kept going something and, so deep like like yeah, yeah. like because think about it, i'm gonna bump into him one day at a yeah. festival he'll be 16 i'll give him a hug and he won't remember anything about me yeah that's but so I'll, true. I'll remember everything about him that's actually <laughs> wild to think about because it's so true does that make you sad or does a that little make, bit does it, it, it makes what you want to grieve are, what the are the moment. emotions yeah what are your emotions around that it makes me want to grieve the moment but then it makes me as dr Lori santos would say negatively visualize it makes me so happy that i did get to experience this yeah like things don't last forever and we can be happy about that that's gratitude fuck i'm gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) we're just having a deep talk right now that's so wild yeah because i like i'm thinking back to like coaches and mentors that i had when i was like a teenager and if it, like a lot of the time I didn't even want them to be my coaches or like mentors, like mm-hmm. it's not something I valued in any way. And now I'm that for other youngins that 
Yeah. Maybe maybe they remember me, maybe they don't. Like I guess who knows. Tice is so young that probably yeah, not, yeah, but like yeah. teenagers, I feel like yeah, you can have an impact memories, on. Yeah. For sure, totally. Yeah. The, uh there's a saying that for some reason is poetic to me. It's it was fun while it lasted. Like to me yeah. it just summarizes everything we're talking about. What's the saying? It was like a Dr. Seuss saying or maybe it was like a Walt Disney one where it's like surprised. don't it's don't be sad. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. I've heard yeah. that. You're right. I don't know where that comes from. I've yeah. heard, I think go. it's something Disney. Makes sense. It makes something sense. Something like that. But yeah. Disney hits you with the deep yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh that's interesting with clients. What uh what else from that book did you find really valuable? The don't take anything personally. At the time, I barely even understood projection, the concept. Like that book, oh, that's why it changed my life. How old were you? This was grade 12 or 13. Wow. Right cool. before Fanshawe, really. It might have even been the summer before school. Yeah. And I'm telling you, oh, the ripple effect, understanding that we are just constantly projecting, which my brother disagrees with. Cause, and for anyone listening, shout like, I t- shout it to Harry. I, I tell Scott that, like, he is uh, the CEO of disagreeing with everything. <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could tell him the sky is blue. He disagreed. And, but it was just humbling. But what I'm saying is, like, Technically, it's theoretical. That's what I took out of him. I'm like, all right, Harry, thank you for shining that light because it is theoretical projection. But I really believe in it, and the book taught me that. Yeah. I, you opened my eyes up to projection, like, and that hurt people hurt people and, like, all of that stuff. And it's tough because – and I know you're you're really good at it. Like you're just like you'll always check yourself and be like, is this – am I projecting – am I saying this because I'm projecting this? And it makes me – more thoughtful of like that stuff because like almost everything is a projection yeah like is that true or is that like i personally believe so yeah because technically we are applying our past knowledge in everything we do yeah and and when people go is that what about a baby that's a very cool circumstance where technically they could be projecting shit from the womb like the early the second a neuron was formed they start projecting um but then let's say they are a embryo and there's no neurons yet. That is that where I put my hands up and say, I would love for someone to tell me what they think. I think projection starts the second a neuron fires. That's insane. Because then this, the body starts adapting and applying knowledge. That's insane. That's what I think. It, but but it's, it's somewhat philosophical. It's just like a thing. Yeah. But then obviously as people get older, there's definitely baggage that comes back. Oh my God, yeah. So that's why I believe in that. Big and team. that dictates, it's almost like, <clears throat> it's almost, it can also almost be disheartening thinking that like literally your, the way you live your entire life is based on all of your past experiences. So it's almost like you have no free will. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I, I've done a whole episode on free will that was like an hour when yeah. it was supposed to be 20 minutes because it's a rabbit hole. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. On free will? Well, first... Well, just that, oh, oh. that idea. Like, it, it's almost like yeah. that your entire reality right now and the way you're living your life and the person you are is based on all your past experiences. So then I th- feel like that could initially be disheartening because it's like, it almost feels like you don't have free will. Like, your your nerve, mm-hmm. your consciousness is just acting. You're so you're basing so much of your reality off of those subconscious traumas and past experiences, positive or negative, mm-hmm. that it's almost like you're just automatically going through life based on all of those things, and your flight right. or flight response is just 
making decisions based on those. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, I yeah. guess to take control of your life in a more and gain free will, would it be that you start working through those past traumas and understanding your history and like maybe understanding how those past traumas are maybe affecting the decisions or your personality or your ability to form relationships in the present and then and then working through those so that you can start to take more control and not let your past limit you currently and like oh does that make sense yeah and all those examples you listed are prime examples of baggage like projection that dictates the outcome yeah uh before i do elaborate on that projection occurs when we get compliments too and this this was sad to me and the book tells you that four agreement says it's not just bad things when someone says something nice they're projecting the love someone taught them to see something good in you you then have to detach you you go past them you go oh i'm I'm so grateful for the love you received. Like you're now happy for that person because they were given something. And then that person was given. Like it's been a train of just awesome joy. And you can't accept that compliment. You must accept it. Uh, you must accept it. And if you want to give it and be thankful. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you do not accept something, how do you expect to give? Okay. If I am scared of, giving an expense expensive drink at the bar i don't i don't want to spend seven bucks on a drink so let's say i have a hard time accepting that from someone because in the back of my head it shines a light on my fear of paying for seven dollar drinks and i go thanks and i'm like i would never spend seven bucks on this fuck this drink <laughs> we do this with compliments some people are hard at, someone goes those are or uh such a nice smile and, and some people will be like no no it's like and they'll never be able to tell someone that wholeheartedly because they don't believe it themselves. Right. They're going to have a hard time to, so that's uh, why you must accept. And so if someone says something nice, not only are you going, thank goodness you've had such a great past that you would say that to me. Just like someone says something mean, you say, I feel bad for your past. Like you feel for them. Right. And that's right. what the book taught me is like, you can love everyone. You just don't take anything personal. Now, that's not to degrade our feelings. Right. So you have to separate the two. And this is where people merge shit because they're just not yeah. aware of any of this. So <laughs> for anyone that isn't following, here's an example. Is you say, I am feeling really shitty that they said I'm lazy. And, and so you lean into that. You don't avoid it. You got to befriend that shit. And then separately, you look and go, I, I really feel for whoever scared you so much that when you saw me watch TV, you said I was lazy. Like clearly someone taught you that's a bad thing. And I feel for you. You feel for them. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And But then you can also say, fuck, I feel really shitty for hearing that. And then that's where you go inward instead of outward. You don't lash out. You lash in. And oh, you, okay. go, you go, Zev. It's okay. I can forgive myself for feeling lazy. It's not my fault. I was taught that's a bad thing. And you forgive yourself. You forgive the person that taught you because they were taught by somebody. Wow. You fucking just forgive everyone. Dude, that's such a... That's such a positive way to look at... 
it, it's it's a coping mechanism yeah and that's i'm an optimist because i think it's the only way i, I can cope that and thank goodness it's the way i cope I don't and how is how has that improved your life it's made me extremely content which scares the shit out of me why i've been taught that contentment leads to stagnance and right. that stagnance is bad right where I've, i'm trying to reteach myself i sound like a hippie but i'm trying to reteach myself like maybe it's okay if i do the same thing for a while do you think I don't know. do you think contentment when it comes to your own like psyche is a bad thing or more like contentment and complacency is bad in your own psyche or do you think or do you think that contentment and complacency with your work and your goals and like your drive outside of like your own psyche that negative connotation to just becoming complacent and stagnant is now bleeding into you thinking that that's also bad for your psyche, like your personal psyche. Cause I would think I like, I follow. so yeah, I didn't really explain. No, that no, no, that's, well. no, no, that's so right. basically like if you, cause I think being content, I think being content with your own mind and the way you, mm-hmm. your happiness, I think is best case scenario. But I think maybe, I think maybe you relate complacency with work or with goals or with trying to succeed in life or something like that. Because that does have a negative connotation to it, becoming complacent mm-hmm. with your goals and not, and not striving to become I a see. better version of yourself. Right. That has a negative connotation, but wouldn't, but wouldn't, I think wouldn't some level of complacency, not complacency, but like being content, content with your current state of your psyche, but still reading, you're still reading books and of you're course. still interested and you're we're still having conversations like this. So you're still trying to become better in other aspects but if that tool has made you truly content, is that a bad? Is that a bad thing? Should that scare you? I don't. I don't think it should. No, I don't think it should. Because I think that's the <laughs> ultimate goal. Like, yeah, is, is yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I guess it's the question of what do I do now? Like I've been taught when you grow up, you have a family, kids, you get married, and if I'm content, what's the point in risking that contentment? Yeah, that's what scares me. Is what if I risk it and say, oh, maybe it's better if I have a family. And then, God forbid, I regret it. Yeah. That scares me. Do you, do you think you would regret having a family? I've, I've, so about, it's now eight months ago. I used to say six months ago. About eight months ago, I was like having this quarter life crisis. Like, what do I do? The fork in the road. <laughs> and remember, it was literally a crisis. Crisis is Greek for, um, point of decision or something and it's it's a fork when we're in a crisis not to like go on a spiel but when we're on a, in a crisis there is optimal outcome not optimal outcome and that's why we're at this crossroad and uh i was literally at a fork of, of, in the road and i said i'm either happy or not happy like if i have a family i'm happy if i don't i'm not happy and i was scared and oh. i realized i realized it's a win-win i realized if i don't have a family and don't get married most people say, Zeb, why are you even talking about this? Why are you worrying about it? Because that's my issue as well. But anyways, I digress. It's a win-win. I will be happy no matter what. Exactly. I've realized that. Yeah. There's, there's so much awesome things you can do in life with a family, with kids. We've seen this with our youngsters in here. There's also so much awesome stuff you can do without family. For kids. sure, yeah. You could, be, you could do so much. So that's why And that just win-win. goes to show like how powerful your perspective is because you're not looking at it as like, there's a lot of people that are like, if I don't have a family, then I've failed in life. 
you're just look instead of looking at all the negatives, all the things you're missing without that family, you're looking at all the positives of life without a family. Have more free time, you'll have more yeah. money, you'll have more freedom to do the things that you love, you'll be able to live life according to how you want. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't get involved with kids or big brother foundations or mm -hmm. your siblings having kids or whatever i've talked about fostering yeah exactly yeah exactly adopting if 100%. i really want one i've met someone <laughs> there's lots of odd but you're looking at all the pot like looking on the bright side mm. that's another cliche thing mm. but like it's a powerful tool and it's funny you mentioned something about uh uh you mentioned something that reminded me it's it's like not to judge those with children. Sometimes people are using that as a, a to seek out purpose. And like, they just have kids as a way of like, they're like, fuck, I'm miserable right now. Maybe family will make it better, which Dr. Lori Santos would say is a fallacy. Cause remember in that course, when she talked about grades, plastic surgery, marriage, fitness, and something else. Oh yeah. People that were happy beforehand were happy after, even with the plastic surgery. Yeah. People that were not happy beforehand weren't happy after. So it's like, so anyways, when people say like, oh, family will make my life better, it won't. But anyways, uh, it's, it's a very expensive, serious <laughs> Band-Aid that like Band-Aid. Yeah. So anyways, this is why I think about this a lot right now. I didn't think I'd be talking about this on here. So thank you for bringing mm -hmm. this up. No worries. It's like there's so much I already love right now about life. Yeah. And that's sure. and that's the thing is like I don't feel like one of those people that need a family to make life better. No. Yeah. I think that's I it blows because I have people very close to me that do exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about are deeply unsatisfied with their life but it is deep they don't it's not on the it's not on the surface they don't show it but i know them on a personal level so i know they're deeply unsatisfied with where they're at and they think that if they have a family then that will solve all of their problems and i know it won't but it's 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 almost crazy to think about how deep how deep that must go within your brain or nature or whatever mm -hmm. that is, the need for a family to bypass all of like the rationalities of, of, of the consequences of that. You know what I mean? Like having, I feel like you're just so, you're so narrow minded on that goal of having a family that you're completely ignoring all of the, all of the potential short, like all the shortcomings of having a family oh, I see, very I see. expensive it's yeah. a lot of time it's 18 years not even 18 it's their whole life that you have to take care of them you have to be there for them you have to be pregnant or you have to be a yeah, father yeah, yeah, for yeah. a child you have to potentially give up your dreams just to make sure that you have a good right. paying job right. you have to sacrifice a huge chunk of your life all like all of these things that you're ignoring just because you're solely focused on like having a family and, and maybe, and maybe you're okay with giving up a lot of those things. But like, I know certain people that are very narrow focused on that outcome without actually looking, uh, without even looking at the partner that they're trying to do it with. True. Cause a lot of people like they'll be dating for like a couple years or they'll be dating for seven years and it's been a really unhappy relationship. And then, and there's been, clear issues with that relationship but a they're just staying with each other because they're scared to change and they're scared to leave each other because their friend groups are tied and they have a house together and they have linked bank accounts and all of this stuff. codependency that's codependency exactly <laughs> they're both code they're codependent on each other and they and they're like this is the closest thing i've gotten to being able to have a family so mm -hmm. even though there's all of these issues 
they're not willing to admit in their head that like they're probably going to get divorced or they're probably going to break up or this probably isn't going to fix things they're like nope let's have a family maybe it'll fix it like it all yeah, it just yeah. it's so emotion it's so i guess is what i was trying to say it's so emotionally driven that you're not thinking about not taking a step back and being like is this the best decision right now so i think long story short sorry no no, no 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 that's fine back to what you were saying i, like I think this, it's yeah. way more i think it's way healthier to be to be like okay if i have a family that's great and it's really really good and but i want it to be the right circumstance like it has to be it has to make sense it has to be what's best for me it has i won't to, force it exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. i won't force it i wish those people would learn whooping remember whoop that yeah acronym? tell the people what it what it means These, no you go you go no you know you have to whooping people it's a wish outcome obstacle plan and it you can do this right now in your car or on your walk in your car driving down the highway you could literally do this <laughs> literally write it down imagine down. a fantasy something you want okay now how would you feel if you got that to the outcome now think of an obstacle that would stop you from reaching that outcome and now make a plan. How will you stop that obstacle from happening? Or if it does pop up, how will you get around it? That is whooping. And so when people say, I want a family, that they're, that's, an, <laughs> like, that's an imagination. That they're thinking of some fantasy. And that's it. They've stopped at the first part of the whoop. They haven't thought of the obstacles. Oh, fuck. How am I going to afford $100 of diapers a week? Fuck, how am I going <laughs> to oh, hand... Fuck, that baby's <laughs> shitting. Baby. Clearly, I'm not a father. <laughs> And how am I going to afford no sleep? And and then they'll make a plan. Oh, okay. I got to do this. I got to do that. Dude, I love how you just use that. That's the perfect example. That's, that's whooping. That's it's, literally perfect. Everyone yeah. needs to whoop. Yeah. I taught my athletes in Elliott Lake that. They all love that shit. Yeah? Athletes benefit big time. That's... No doubt. Yeah. 100%. Um, oh, and then I was talking to a client. Older lady. Been married forever. She's like 68. We're talking about a couple she knows who's codependent. Codependent as fuck. And she is opposite, very independent, her and her partner. And there was this negative connotation to the codependency. And every time I hear negative connotation just towards something, right away I start getting deep. I'm like, why did that person, were they taught it's a bad thing? Mm -hmm. So then I told her, I go, because right away I'm like, wait, why do I think codependency is bad? I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I can tell yeah. you in like 10 minutes. But anyways, the conclusion I go, oh. Um, you guys share something in common. You're both compatible. Her and her husband, her friend and their partner, they're compatible. Even though like we were kind of shitting on codependency, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. That's what I, because people listening might be like, oh shit, I'm codependent. Like they, Scott and Zev must fucking hate me. <laughs> I love you. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like, you're going to find someone else who's codependent and you're going to have a great life with them. Yeah. You're compatible with them. Mm -hmm. That's what, so just saying in case the next time. Oh, I want it. Like I well, wanted well. to go down the codependency rabbit hole, but like, we'll talk about it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. You, so you think what, but wouldn't there be cons to being codependent? Like for you. Yeah, you're right. I knew, that's what I'm I saying. Knew you were gonna say no, like, that. like, because yeah. that's why. So I put a negative connotation on it because, for me, all the things I don't want to be reflect codependency, oh. and so it it 
it shines a light on my fear of what I don't want to be, it's which crazy. is that of someone with no control, no freedom. These are things I'm scared of not having. Yeah. Which you sacrifice when you're codependent. They control a part of you and, and you're okay with that. That's why they're happy. Right, they? right, right. Yeah. It's, I find sometimes I struggle with that being able to, I take my subjective reality and make it objective too often on certain topics. And it's like, this is, this is my personal experience. And like you said, it's, I'm, I feel a way about something because it shines a light on something, an insecurity that maybe I have. And then sometimes I put a blanket statement in my head. I'm just like, yep, codependency is bad. No mm. matter what, that's wrong. You want to know why I think that is? Why? <laughs> Here we go. I, I think that's just inner child. A young child. Whatever happens in the home is how they perceive the world. If they're, if when they're a child, um, what's a good example of this? If a child is is yelled at for okay if a parent yells at a child for not cleaning up the world is going to yell at them for not cleaning up they oh, okay. they forget there are other opinions out there other than yeah, and the, yeah. other than their caregivers when we i do this too people do it till the day they die when we start seeing the objective sorry sorry when we start seeing the world through our lens. I think personally, there's a theory, it's our inner child. From when we, our personal life is the world. So then that's we start- super, Yeah, that's know, exactly, like, you know, that's exactly what it it's is. It's just us being a kid still. Like, and we're never gonna stop having a bit of our old selves. I'm a child. Bro, we're all children. I Actually, I wanna be. The irony, fuck man, the irony. When people are trying to find themselves when they're older, mm -hmm. It's actually them trying to connect again with that inner child, the playfulness. Dude, <laughs> dude, that kid, this just blew my fucking whoa, mind. Whoa. That's so important. I realized this by accident. You just summed it up well. I realized this by accident when I was like, like 19 or 20. I was like 19, mm. like probably 20. I think I was 20. I think it just after college. I had a big change in my life. And then I was, and then I realized that I, from the time I became a teenager to that point till I was 20, I had been doing things. I had been living my life based on others' opinions a lot of time. And I wasn't, not completely, but I was definitely doing more things than I should have been for validation from society, especially, in, especially in high school, man. Mm -hmm. Like high school, your sole purpose is just to make sure you got friends. And like mm -hmm. that's, that's all you're focusing on because you're an insecure teenager and you just want to be liked and you want to be a cool kid or whatever. And then it got better in college, a lot better. I got a lot more mature and I was starting to get into more self-help and self-development from 18 to 20. So I made a lot of improvements. But at 20, it was kind of like a hard realization where like I had lost a lot of the characteristics that I had when I was a kid. Mm. And, and also hobbies too. The hobbies was the big one. And I started doing the things that I used to love that I kind of gotten away from as a teenager and in college. And it was like hiking and snowboarding and mountain biking and going swimming with my friends and like just trying to do outdoor. That's all I did growing up was like outdoor. I was into extreme sports and like just kind of that 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 outdoor active mm. active lifestyle. That's all I love to do. 
with my friends. Right on. But through high school and through college, it was more so like going drinking with friends or going to parties with friends and like trying to do the, whatever the cool kids were doing or whatever, yeah, like yeah, yeah. whatever that was. And don't get me wrong, I, ha- I, st- I was very happy for all of those years. But I just realized when I was 20, I was like, I started doing all of those. I really started to get back 19. I started getting really back into mountain biking like mm-hmm. heavily. Yeah. And my whole demeanor around life changed. I was way right happier. On. And I realized I'm I my whole life. I'm just going to be a grown up kid. Like and it it was crazy because it's exactly like you said. I felt like I knew my, I felt like I had found myself again. Almost. It sounds mm-hmm, so that sounds mm-hmm. so cliche. But I had reconnected with a really important, I had reconnected with my like 13 year old Scott. Like I had reconnected with him. Like because there's almost like, I'm going to romanticize the shit out of this. There's almost like this like poetic thing that happens when you're like 13, 14 coming into high school. It's almost like there's two versions of you. You leave, you leave the kid version of you behind Mm. and then and then that and then because all of a sudden you're too cool to call your friend and ask him if he wants to play Mm. no you start asking him if he wants to hey you want to hang out there you go it's a prime example you you start to change you start to care about different things when you're a kid your whole purpose in life is to be happy and have fun you just want to have fun that's literally your whole goal (laughs) that is just to have fun with your friends and then that starts to change from I I want to get a cute girl or like I want I want to have friends or I want to be I want to be invited to this party and it's almost like this really sad thing that happens that to everybody I think when you're a teenager mm-hmm. you start to become a teenager and then you just start to leave that version of yourself behind and it's like encapsulated mm-hmm. in time it's like your 13 year old self is stuck there and you move on uh... as and you move on as this teenager and kind of this like He's he's almost like I'm thinking about the archetype of those two people. And it's like this really innocent, good hearted kid whose whole goal is to have fun. I can picture it. Yeah. And then when you're 14, 15, you start to become this kind of like self-centered. You start talking back to your parents. You're like I picture rugged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like I like how you can visualize that. Exactly. Two personas. And it's almost like it's kind of like. It's just that innocence of like when you're 13, 12, 13, mm-hmm. 14, whatever. And as you become a teenager, you're just, you start to value the wrong things, but you don't realize it because you're a teenager. True. And then you go through high school and some people come to that really early and realize it and catch it. And they'd be like, I'm kind of being a shitty teenager. I want to fix it. But for me, it may, took till I was in college. Like when I was 18, I really started to like change that. And I started to value better things and be more mature, but I still... I started to become more mature, but I still hadn't reconnected with that 13-year-old self that I left behind I all see. of those years ago. I see. And then at 20, I was mountain biking and hiking, and I guarantee there was multiple times on those mountain bike rides where I kind of synced back up with mm. that 13-year-old. I kind of looped back around to him, and I picked him up on the way, and I was like, hey, wow. it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. I'm, I'm a very visual person, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's literally like a went through a we we split paths split paths at 13 14 yeah. and then at 20 i like in 19 18 i started looping back around and then at 20 i kind of picked up that 13 year old self along the way and it's like hey we're going to our uh, 20s now because i don't want to lose you yeah. because i realize how important it was That's awesome 
and it's like and it's crazy it's crazy that you like even brought that up and i've never really explained it that way it's just as it's just as i'm going but i think i think one of the most important things for people that have lost that 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 touch with their kid self is to get it back because Mm -hmm. it literally changed my life and it made Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. because there's that inherent aspect of that younger version of yourself that's whole goal was just to have fun and have yeah. and be happy. That's all you care about as a kid. Simple. Be happy and have fun. And I think every adult has to have that in them and has to reconnect with that. And I agree. I like mountain biking because it's fun. It makes Maybe, me happy. Yeah, exactly. Going hiking, it's fun. It makes me, there's yeah, no yeah. other there's no other purpose for those outdoor activities in my life than having fun and being a big kid. I just and I when I kind of when I came back around to who I was when I was a kid, I realized that I just want to be a big kid for the rest of my life. I, I, one of the th- things that I would love about kids is playing with my kids and, nice. do, and doing that kid stuff. Definitely. Cause I, cause I want to be a big Definitely. kid and I like biking is a kid that I like, I like the things that kids do. It's fun. Cause you're just having fun. I like playing games. Like when we go to the field and we'll just play sports all day. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. something that I would do as a kid. Who's to say being 22, 23 is too old for that. Right. And rich, you know, rich who comes in. I don't think he, so. Oh, no. Some mornings he's in. He told me once, like he gets to recall stuff with his kids. Yeah. That he forgot about. Yeah. So exactly. he lives through them. Which, yeah, I don't know know if that's always the best thing to do, but it, hey, it can bring a lot of joy. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Well, I wanted, I want to play with my kids because I want to see them enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I want to see, I want to see kids just living that life of they have like probably 12 to 13 years of your whole purpose is to have fun. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the next 10 years, it might be through some shit. Like it's going to, life gets a little more serious and there's more more emotions and more hormones and puberty and all this crazy yeah. stuff starts to happen. But those, there's a lot of beauty in those first 13 years that just about fun. And I think it's important to reconnect with that. And I did, I did kind of by accident, but I realized afterwards, I was like, I feel like myself again. There was a nice. sense, there was a sense of like kind of putting a puzzle piece back mm. in. And it's funny cause we can't put that emotion into words. We can no. try to articulate it, but you can't. I tried my best just now, but I didn't. It didn't. It's not there, right? It's like it can't. You can't explain it. You're right. And, and but don't get don't get me wrong. I could put that picture together. Mm-hmm. Just in the end, in the end, there's nothing that'll explain that feeling. Mm-mm. Symbols, like letters put together. Symbols. Yeah. How do we expect lines? compiled together to explain these intangible emotions no exactly it is intangible and it's great it's overwhelming because it's like there's almost a decade between those two times right 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 like it's hard to the weight of it was very heavy Mm -hmm. yeah man um i've gone so far back when remember we were talking about like technically you could forgive everyone you go back forever it's like what you get to a point where what you're gonna like forgive stardust like in the yeah. end there's, that's why that's what blew my mind i'm like damn there's literally nobody's fault maybe stardust's fault yeah <laughs> no yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah, like, yeah. I'm like what the, where the fuck do i go with that i know yeah <laughs> but it's like i'm envious of that i think it's like a, and i've learned so much about that from you just you talking about that stuff because it's such a positive way to go through life and it just must be is it relieving 
knowing. I think so. Like knowing I, that, like me personally. Yeah. Again, it's a way to deal. Yeah, one hundred percent. Deal, but dealing with what? Like dealing with just like. I don't know. Hurt. Like, right. I think yeah. that's a pretty yeah. That that sums it up. It's yeah. a way just to not feel bad. So. We could, we could always, we always come back to our survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. Our brains are always avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. And I guess me getting all deep about projection could literally just be my limbic brain wanting to feel good. Yeah. That's interesting, (laughs) but it's probably like the most meaningful way to do it. And like, and, and, and it has a positive impact on others too. So it's not just about you. It's not just a selfish thing. Right, right, right. Because you feel for other people and you respect other people's like history and how that relates to their projection and then as a result somebody says something mean to you you don't retaliate and make them feel like shit because you just understand that they've been that they're hurting and they're hurting you so then you're you're also doing a service to other people at the same time as well it uh so i actually was asking my dad a lot of personal deep questions about the divorce between him and my mom and and just like, and then I've asked her a million things as well. And, and I'll admit something on here is like, I've lately, I left the, his house and it was a fine conversation. We weren't arguing, but I just wanted to know things that he was, it was painful for him to bring up again. And I had to selfishly do that again. It was selfish, but I left just being upset and, and I'm going to admit this superiority complex because I was asking myself, why couldn't my mom and dad know some of this like what we're talking about right like i I try to say this with as much respect to them as possible they had zero awareness to their emotions like the way we're talking right now there's no way they had one conversation like this ever yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but yet they had five kids and like they just like that is so irresponsible like it pissed me off i left and i was like oh my god like I was so mad at them and then and then I got mad at them. Look, it was like a therapy session now. And then I got mad at them in my head for making me, and this is where I'll correct myself in a second, making me scared of divorce. I go, because of their lack of EQ, they got divorced and all the shit. And now I am scared of marriage. Fuck them for their lack of EQ for making me scared. And then I had to go, wait, 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 wait. Right, my right, logical right. brain was like, Simmer's F, you're emotional. I was like, oh. Actually, their lack of EQ that I'm just saying that as like a title shines a light on my fear of marriage. Like I shouldn't say any that you statements are a horrible idea. My sister taught me that actually. You know, like it's something most people learn. It's like I was like, I'm why am I doing a you statement? Like they didn't make me do anything. This is just they're shining a light on a fear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Simple as that. So and now, that fear probably comes be from your parents' marriage. Like, it, exactly. Like, it has nothing to do with them because they did the best they could. Everyone yeah. does the best they can. It's like, I can't blame anyone. They don't They don't have kids with the intention of giving them this yeah. emotional trauma, right? They didn't they, say, we're going to make sure they're scared of marriage. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I can't blame them. And so that's, I had to take a step back. And now I'm like... Such a healthy... Man, that's such a healthy... I don't think... I need to stress this. Like, that is such a healthy perspective that most people probably will never get to they can but it's like so many other people so many other people would just be happy just to get to the point that they recognize that they even recognize these things in the first place but Mm -hmm. let's say they got to the point where they're like okay my parents lacked eq and 
that's led to my fear of marriage and it's their fault, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get to the point where they're accept, like they're flipping it in a positive note and looking internally instead. Right, they right, would just right. become very resentful of their parents. They take it personally. <laughs> and it's a miracle even if they get to that point sometimes. Like, right, right, right. So it's really healthy is what I was trying to say and it's, and it's valuable. So I don't know if, and to get digress before, Oh, is this, oh, what is it? We got, it's saying, Oh yeah. 60 minute mark. Good to know. Uh, no, no. Before I digress, uh, I don't know if too, this is me spitballing. If I'm just grieving the loss of a potential bond with my parents. Right. So people here grieving loss, they think like material things being lost, a body, you name it, but yeah. I say body because like funerals, like you've lost that body from Earth. That yeah. human body's gonna degrade. And anyway, anyways, you can grieve emotional losses. So what I'm saying is like, if someone disappointed you because you thought they were gonna be insightful, you can grieve that loss. And that's what I think. Also, I'm doing is I was so hoping my mom, my dad could understand some of the like the, why they did what they did, but they don't. Yeah. And I think I was just hoping I could bond with them on the what we're talking about now. Yeah, which is just yeah, I won't yeah. be able to. I and maybe and oh, I shouldn't okay. say never is never. Yeah. I think I'm grieving that that it's like I wish I could have these conversations with them. I can't. Do you ever feel That's sad to me? Do you ever feel that you don't have a similar connect? Do you ever feel that sometimes the relationship you have with friends is sometimes more meaningful than your relationship with your family in some ways because of conversations like this. Yeah. Yeah. There's been lots of times. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. Yeah. For sure. Because there's things I've told you about trauma related to family that are so deep rooted in my psyche. Yeah. But you understand it and you can give me advice and we can talk through it that I would never be able to do with any any member mm-hmm. of my family because like you said they don't have that emotional quotient mm-hmm. and um and not every member of my family but like it's just but also when it's about family it's hard to have that conversation with family very much so, so. sometimes I have this very I have a loving connection towards my friends like you and Ben and Nate and all my friends that my friend Mitch and like all these friends that I can have these really deep conversations with about my feelings and about my emotions mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. Oftentimes there's a, a deeper, deeper connection than what that looks like with family. Have you and here I have a question for you. I'm going to reset my ticker. Um, so have you ever been upset at family from in quotes making you feel certain ways oh yeah 100 percent. yeah and do you care to share or is it too personal no yeah i can share one like a big <clears throat> one because my parents divorced same as yours and it was like i when my parents divorced i felt like i felt like betrayed mm. like i felt like i don't know like i just felt that I f- you know what it was, I think, because a lot of times growing up, I had this narrative in my head that nobody told me anything. Like, because I, I was the youngest and my okay. sister was significantly older than me. <clears throat> and I felt like I was left out of everything and that nobody ever, nobody ever trusted me with, like, information or, like, told me what was really going on. And I was just kind of out of everything. So the divorce blindsided me. Like, I had no idea. I didn't, also, I wasn't in tune to, like, 
my parents' marriage too much. I was a teenager. Of I just course, didn't pay much course, attention. So then when it happened, I was like, what the fuck? I, was, I had no idea that that was even coming, whereas my sister had seen it for, like, years mm-hmm. ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when it happened, I resented them because it, like, was such a blind side. And then I... That was the first real hardship I had ever really felt, too. My life was pretty easy before that. I hadn't really had any close family, family members die. Um... Nothing, nothing was really going bad. I didn't have any real reason to like have issues. And then when that happened, it was like, I, that was the first real hardship I'd had. And that's the first time I'd ever had felt like emotional distress. Like I had never, I'd never really felt like chronic depression, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, and it wasn't, again, I wasn't like suicidal or anything. Right. I don't want to like overstate the feelings that yeah, i was having de- but you had depression it was depression, depression for you an extended period of time shitty. yeah so and anxiety too and mm. this is the first time i'd ever really dealt with that stuff and i honestly didn't take that stuff seriously until i dealt with it personally and then i understood it but then i blamed my parents for that for making you feel those things i was full it was like i was like i feel this way because of you of you yeah, yeah yeah there you go and then we can just roll and recycle this mm-hmm. like everything we've talked about exactly yeah like so that that was powerful. the biggest one for me yeah, yeah, and I then see. it took a long time to realize like sure sure that. maybe that was the trigger that was yeah, maybe yeah, that maybe, sure. maybe that hardship was Definitely. what triggered that emotion but it could have been something completely unrelated to your parents that triggered yeah. that as well like well, you, just, you just go back in time like they again are just applying what they had learned through their caregivers exactly. and their life and so and it's ironic because when <laughs> like now i look back and i'm like they weren't meant to be together i, yeah, st- yeah, I saw yeah, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. from the third exactly. perspective and go. then i was like oh i get it now yeah they, they shouldn't have been married like yeah. it makes sense so right on there was yeah. one thing yeah, yeah, i wanted to one. talk about of course so this was really interesting. It was an interview with Stephen Fry and uh, Jordan Peterson. And he was talking about how consciousness might, he's talking about how consciousness can sometimes be the issue. He's kind of talking about society mm-hmm. that almost like consciousness is almost like a bit of a plague in some scenarios for humans and meaning like, being conscious and aware of your situation can sometimes make you overthink it or try to, okay, this is happening. I'm going to try to react this way. But then that reaction can sometimes cause more issues. Mm. And then just be having that hyper awareness of the, of the situation can sometimes be the thing that causes more distress long-term and it was they there was a study on this where they had rats and they had them on like a basically like a tray on water they had all these rats so they're on water mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. and then the um the tray would start sinking they would slowly start sinking it and then the rats would run all the rats would just run in random direction so they would just run in random direction with no real organization, they would all be all over the place. But as a result of them just going in random directions, the tray stayed afloat. It would just like, it was, it, it, so they would initially mm-hmm. sink it a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it wouldn't sink any further. So them going in random directions would actually keep it balanced and would keep it still. When you upscale that experiment with humans, it starts sinking on one side, you start sinking the tray, they all run to the other side to counteract it and fall in uh... and tip it. So that experiment talks about like the consciousness of like 
where you see it, I think sometimes you see it now, the way that what I thought of was like a lot of like socio-political issues like that are in the news and stuff like that. It's almost like because we've figured out everything else about nature and survival, like we don't really have any problems in life, right? Mm. Like as humans, we've kind of figured everything out. Right. So now mm. we've moved to these like socio-political, emotional-based like problems, which are important. But sometimes because we have nothing else to focus on and we're so aware and we have this powerful consciousness to look at these problems, then what that creates is like all of this divide you see on these topics. Yeah. So now the conversation isn't even about um, whatever the human rights, it's a human, let's say it's a human rights problem in the news or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Now, just the ability to have this consciousness and the ability to argue and the ability to... Right recognize this problem <clears throat> almost creates more problems that actually get way away from the original True. issue then you bring politics into it and then True. you bring subjective experiences but then you say this is objective no this is subjective and then there's like this huge divide on like certain topics or whatever and i just thought it was so i just thought it was so interesting because it's like when i think about consciousness i think of that as like human's most powerful tool yeah. but it can almost be a detriment sometimes we're almost too <laughs> smart go. and too aware for our own good and I like that you use the word tool, because mm -hmm. that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You're right. A hammer can hurt you and make uh, life better. Yeah, 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 exactly. <clears throat> I thought that was no. Just that's really awesome. Consciousness is a tool. You're right. I was. I talked to you about rationalism earlier and just like how it can kill beauty in life. But just for the listeners, briefly, oh, I was yeah. talking about like yeah. how because I definitely see myself as somewhat of like a rationalist and I bias towards that side of things. Like whatever the most rational response or answer is it makes the most sense to me but they uh they were talking about in this podcast that rationalism can kill beauty in life and it can take away some of the most valuable things in life just for the sake of being rational which doesn't actually make any sense um and they use the example of like christmas so rationally christmas doesn't make much sense even if you're religious it's not even jesus's birthday so it's like there's flaws in the story anyways so there's rational flaws in the idea of christmas um so okay so what's the option let's kill christmas and then it's like okay you kill christmas now you've taken away time with family giving presents to others and making them happier and make seeing your family members happy for that result and then the tradition of it and the time spent with family, time off from work, there's all of the values of Christmas. Okay, you take you kill Christmas because you want to be rational. It doesn't make any rational sense. But now you've worsened your quality of life as a result, probably. But Zev made a good point earlier, unless that that rationalist truly gets full fulfillment out of killing christmas i guess i was just being stubborn but yeah, yeah. technically speaking but yeah it, but it was interesting just hearing about because there's people that are very rational and there's people that are very emotional and it's like extremes on both mm -hmm. end are actually detrimental mm -hmm. so you have to be somewhere in the middle where sometimes your emotional brain and logical brain have to work together and rationality is important you don't want to never be rational but there's certain things like tradition and things like that that and they also talked about religion too where rationally, and this kind of goes back to how you talk about Judaism and the different mm -hmm. type of Jews, if there might be certain things in your Bible or Torah or whatever, mm -hmm. Buddhism, mm -hmm. that you don't see as rationally making any sense, but the religion as a whole improves your quality of life. So you don't have to be rational about all of it if it's, make, if the, if it's a net positive. 
Right. Which I thought was really interesting. Is there anything, if you gave up the rationality, would make life more fun? I don't know. Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Do you have any examples you can think of? I feel like there are, but I, like, I, know. I can't think of a good one. I could probably find some shitty one. I think there probably <laughs> is, like, things where I'm maybe, like, a little over-rational about it. Um, I'm thinking... <laughs> sometimes, honestly, sometimes with... Sometimes with, like, um, like, subjective experiences around, like, people's feelings getting hurt, like, I, oh. you know what I'm trying to say? That's like interesting. Some... No, you're right, because then I guess the rationale could take away from the beauty, because he was talking about beauty, and you're right, I'm thinking just joy, but you're right, like, there could be moments where someone's upset that's like a beautiful moment because it could bond but then if you're rational and you're like eh, fucking that doesn't make sense yeah exactly and i definitely do bias towards that where it's just like uh like you're just complaining (laughs) yeah it's it's mostly social media like i'll hear people complaining on social media about just like such mundane shit that like does not actually matter in the grand scheme of things and like it a lot i just hate when people complain for no good reason like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm too rational about that. And I'm like, well, this, this scenario doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense and why are you letting yourself get upset about it? But who am I to say that it doesn't make sense or hold a lot of weight for that person? So my version of what's rational and what's irrational is different from others. So I can't get upset about to an extent. I think there's some objective things where it's like, why like that, that literally makes no sense. Like no matter who you are, that literally makes no sense. But like, there's certain things where I see, especially around like sociopolitical issues, where people are just woke, woke culture is getting so upset, canceling people for really small things. And I'm like, I get really mad because rationally it makes no mm-hmm. sense. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe there's maybe there's some value to that that I'm missing yeah. because of my subjective experience. And actually, OK, to spin off this. So I have found an example. And if I go eat out on a vacation, I'm like rationally i should grocery shop for the whole week on a vacation that's a that's a great and example. it ruins and if i need to let go of that so it doesn't ruin the joy of just having a dinner out because it's a special that's occasion. actually a great example <laughs> it's actually i was thinking about training like oh, with yeah, training yeah. sometimes because rationally i know being a coach that i should have a program i should have a scheduled program I should be hitting each muscle group two to three times per week. I should have some sort of periodization. I should have yeah, a goal. Yeah, like you go that through the laundry yeah, list. Yeah, exactly. I should have all these things. But sometimes, like I learned in the first lockdown of COVID, sometimes it's just nice to go in every day and just do whatever you feel. And I know mm-hmm. you've done that for, oh, yeah, for a long that. time. Yeah. And there's so much beauty in that mm-hmm. because here's the thing. If it actually might end up being more useful for people because if you just go in every day and do what you want and do what you enjoy – then you and you enjoy training and it creates this positive environment for you in the weight room, you might be in the weight room for 10 years versus the person that ran a really strict program for five. Like, so then it's like, that's the secret. Anyone listening? That's literally people talk about secrets on infomercials. They'll never say that. That's the secret. Mm -hmm. What's sustainable sustainability. That'll keep you consistent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's actually just off the top of my head. It's like, if you made a hierarchy of attributes, I almost say sustainability is before consistency. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's true, actually. Because if yeah. someone's consistent for a month, that doesn't do shit. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Actually, I don't know. What do you think? No, that's just I, me. No, I, I literally agree. just thought of that as me. No, I do agree. Yeah, because just, well, I don't know. Unless it, well, I'm just trying to play. Unless being consistent is sustainable. <laughs> well, what's well? Let's say you're, let's say you train once a month, and that's sustainable for you. Oh, but that's not improving anything. That's not consistent to be to be sustainable in some contextual arrangements. It wouldn't be yeah so sustainable. It's a com- <laughs> comes back to a combination of both, I guess. Or sorry, yeah, to be sustainable in some regards would not be consistent. So then it defeats yeah. the purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> look at I us over. Speak. Look at I us can... overcomplicating. Yeah, there something. we go. Like, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I overcomplicate. <laughs> do you have any other things that you want to talk about? Do you? No, I'm good. I man. think I'm good. That was a fantastic podcast. Wow. That was actually great. Who would have thought? That was that was th- kind of like a spontaneous. Yeah. Like we talked yeah. about it all week, but I did not expect to talk. Me about either. That. I gotta wonder. Being in a certain state affects a lot, and what I mean is, if you're ever in an argument, people. I heard this way back on a podcast. The dude said he got into baby pose, bare ass, because <laughs> they were arguing. And it made them bare do, ass. And it made them do this. They were like, "What the fuck?" They both were like, "This is the silly. What do you do?" Like it stopped all tension. Oh my god! And, and, no way. <laughs> imagine that. That's. And 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 I literally once fun fact. I did this to my brother. Not bare ass baby, but I I hugged him, and he's like, "Get off me!" What? And I was like, and I start chuckling, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just changing states." And he was like, what the fuck? He hates self-help. So yeah. he's like, why is this more of your shit? Yeah, yeah. And it did cause us to like kind of start arguing. What I'm saying is right now, you guys can't see, but I'm lounging. Like this is like I'm, on, I'm laying down. And yeah. Scott is just chilling. Like it's not a loud gym. It's quiet in here. I got to wonder if because we're in this environment, we did get a little deeper. Yeah, it was I so. Know I would've. think so too. I also think just because like like you were – you were in here creating content the whole time mm, i was out working we were kind of all like stimulated we, yeah we were all stimulated mm. so then like coming in and also there was people in the gym all morning like it was very busy it this was, morning yeah. all day yeah. and now and then as soon as literally as soon as we were about to sit down for a podcast everybody left <laughs> turned the music off closed the doors like it's silent yeah. like it is quiet. and i think it i think it is going from that like run 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 to like stop mm-hmm. sit like relax thoughts down. yeah and i feel like yeah, it's interesting. This is a good one. This is really, really good. good. I, I'm actually going to listen to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to re-listen to it because it, it was nice. really good. Shit, man. All right. Well, thank you to everybody that listened, as usual. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'll see you in the next one. See you, everybody. Hello. Oh, <laughs> I was about to do the intro, but I kept present. I, I didn't. You guys just got to hear a snippet of my intro. Sorry if you're still here and you're just like, what the fuck just <laughs> happened? <laughs>